Before we jump into the show, I want to let you know that Devontae Freeman signed with the Giants. Midway through the show, we discuss it at the end. Hit the time cones, the time stamps in the video if you want to go up to that right away. We do talk about the waiver wire at the beginning, sort of antiquated at this point, but hey, we do re-up at the end in all of my waiver wire rankings and rankings are all updated in the description of this video, and you can always find them up on DK Playbook and DKNation.com. All right, let's get to the show. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by, get this, DraftKings 2020 Week 3 Rankings Debate Breakdown. Each position, if you're looking... For the updated rankings, hit the description of this video or podcast, and my rankings are in there, updated at the end of every single day. Sometimes, if I drink too much, maybe in the morning when I wake up with my kids, get them off to school, update the rankings, and I'm on my way. However, you'll rarely go more than 12 hours with those rankings not being updated. Fortunately, there's no games till Thursday, and then after that, until Sunday, so you don't need to make the lineup right now. And my rankings, as you're going to see in the show, are going to be debated by Jake Seeley from TheAthletic.com, so they might change. As the show goes along, I'll make sure those up- Updates are reflected on DKNation.com. Remember to go check those out. Also remember to smash the like button for the video and give me your one must play at running back who's outside of the top 20 for week three. I'm very curious because there's a lot of guys like in a 20 player stretch where, yeah, you could definitely fire them up, but you could definitely make the case the other way at the same time. You're like, I don't want to fucking part of these people. Also, if you're listening to the audio podcast, please rate the Pat Mayo Experience five stars. Feeling generous. Leave a five star review as well. The review, I mean, it's be like, hey, I like this show. Boom. Really goes a long way into helping people discover the show. Telling friends, also another way you can do that. And hey, Maybe you should tell your friends about paying, playing in the Pat Mayo Experience DraftKings Listeners League. $15 to play, no rake, three max entry. Link is in the description of the video and podcast. I always tell people, check out that description of the video and podcast. A lot of stuff hidden down there. Some Easter eggs for the people, just like getting a discount at FTN Daily and FTNFantasy.com. Use all the tools. Use all the projections, the cornerback, wide receiver matchups. If you're limited on time and you play more than $10 a week, either betting or on DraftKings, you might want to go check that out. Use code Mayo, uh, and the links are in the description of that as well. FTNDaily.com, FTNFantasy.com. Dot com. Check it out. Jake Seeley from TheAthletic.com on the line. I saw I do the, the Sunday morning show with Brad Evans at 10 a.m. Eastern on Mayo Media Network. Subscribe, by the way. You are live from 11 till 1230 on Sunday on The Athletic as well. So we don't have completely comp- or comp- or competing shows, but it's getting pretty close. It's close, but you can jump from one to the other. So you can start with you, come over to me. By the way, I'm gone at 12. They do stuff after that, but I'm off to update the rankings for how I do things. And as you can see, already with this waivers this week, I haven't been getting I didn't get to style my hair for you today. Is that why you're wearing a hat? I just assumed you were losing your hair. (laughs) No. Unfortunately, I I don't think I'll ever be losing my hair because my grandfather at 92 when he passed away had a full head, and my dad's 60 and change, and he still has a full head. I don't really know, because people always used to say it's your mother's side, like your mother's father. That's yeah. how it works out. I don't know if that's true or not. I think that's just something people say. Uh, it's supposed to be genetic, and I do have the same waviness that he had, but that's why I included my dad. It's like my dad does, my mom does, if you include the women's side of things, but like my grandfather did on my mom's side, so like everybody does. My dad's dad did, so I, I'm assuming I'm safe. All right, well, that's good. No more hats then. Hats are for bald people, pal. 
<laughs> this is hazardous for also people that were scrambling for time. All right, that's fair. Let's talk waiver. Blame Londo. Blame yeah. Londo. We normally do a video real quickly after your show. And it's usually like it's the seven, 10 minute. It's he's like the the Nando and Jakey show. Yay. Like we do that. But he has a call today. So he moved it to before this. So it's actually Nando's fault. Ah, blame Nando. Nando DeFino. We blame you for all of this. Let's talk he waivers. Hi, by the way. What's that? He says hi. He said hi, by the way. He oh. wished you well, as oh, he always does. I always try to get Nando on, and then I forget. Like, we set something up, and then, like, it doesn't work out <laughs> once, then we forget for two years. But, you know, I'll have to have Nando on. <laughs> Probably in the off-season. We'll get him on. One of my favorite guests of all time. My old boss, too. So, waiver wire. A lot of shit going down this week on the waiver wire. I did the full waiver wire ranking show, along with the injuries, and we discussed through a lot of the pickups with Gary and Chris Meany on Monday's episode. You can go check that out right now on Mayo Media Network. However... Stuff has changed since then. We now know that Christian McCaffrey is probably going to be out four to six weeks. Barkley is officially done for the year. Cortland Sutton's officially done for the year. Uh, did you have a lean on the Dion Lewis, Mike Davis, Daryl Henderson, Josh Kelly type situation? Like, here's my kind of thought on the matter: is that you can go blow your budget on Dion Lewis if you have to, and it's. 40 60 to work out it's probably not going to work out in your favor but you might have to do it just in case he is the guy which i don't think that he's necessarily going to be the guy obviously you go get him but like to spend all your fab bucks to make sure you get him i would say only if you're completely desperate i would probably rather take mike davis for four weeks and see how that works out or pick up josh kelly because i think that you know justin jackson's probably not going to get his job back uh, and regardless if it's tyrod <laughs> or if it's uh justin ebale that josh kelly looks like he's going to be the primary goal line back for the Chargers and Henderson just looked good we talked about Henderson a bunch maybe his week one performance uh, had a lot to do with the fact that he was dealing with an ailing hamstring like all of those guys you can kind of throw them in the bucket I do like Mike Davis though I think that he's going to be the guy I I think he'll definitely be the guy too Uh, my concern with Deion Lewis is that Wayne Gallman was supposed to be the guy before the season and Wayne Gallman still sounds like the guy because he was inactive because Gallman doesn't play special teams and Deion Lewis does. And that's really what it came down to is the Giants weren't going to have three active running backs on game day because you don't need that with Saquon Barkley. Obviously, if Saquon stays healthy. So I think that's the big factor here. But also, that being said, Deion Lewis should be more involved with the passing game. And so far this season, the Giants are the pass happiest team in the league, which is crazy. Almost 70% of their plays are passes so far. So again, that would lean towards Deion Lewis be the more trustworthy one. But I'm concerned, as you said, the 40-60 to work out, it might be 60-40 Gallman. And Lewis kind of has that Naheem Hines value where most weeks you should be fine. But what if the Giants eventually have a lead at some point or maybe the game slowed down and like Philip Rivers just did last week is there's not a lot of passes going to the running backs. So I would still go Lewis, but I wouldn't ignore Gallman. Uh, to your point, though, I would ignore both and go get McKinnon, even if it's temporary, because at least know that his value is secure. And I, I love Henderson. You know this, Pat. We've talked about this for two years now that I love the talent. If Cam Akers is out there, though, I don't love him just because Cam Akers. There's all three. It's Sean McVay. It's a full-blown committee at this point. If something clears up, I would love Henderson, but I just don't feel like if Malcolm Brown, Akers, and Henderson are all involved, I don't think it's going to be anybody more than maybe 50% of the touches. Yeah, that's tough, and it looks like Akers and Brown are both on track to play this weekend at Buffalo, so... 
which is crazy for acres that yeah separated cartilage in your like ribs doesn't that sound re- like really painful it does i mean i the only bone i, I think i've actually i broke my orbital bone when i've you know had the shit kicked out of me before but i, I once uh <laughs> i once uh was doing crowd surfing at a smashing pumpkins concert and i got dropped on the guardrail in the front row and like cracked oh. my ribs not great. Not uh, great times uh, for old Pat Mayo the rest wait, of the What were you doing at a Smashing Pumpkins concert? I think it was like 2003. No, it was before that. And what were you crowd surfing to? You can't be crowd surfing to Tonight Tonight. That's not. So what the hell are you crowd surfing to? I believe to? it was Bullet with Butterfly Wings. I don't really remember. Okay. I was uh, kind of out of it at the time. Uh, it was at like a... Sma- one, 1979 was their other big hit? It was Smashing Pumpkins, Foo Fighters, someone else, someone else, and someone else. It was like a touring festival that ended up coming <laughs> through. Anyway, um, <laughs> in terms of Lewis, I guess the one to look out for, and your boy Emery Hunt at The Athletic uh, kind of shouted this out. Rod Smith is on the practice roster yep. for the Giants. Jason Garrett, obviously, now involved with the yep. Giants, Rod Smith, former Cowboy. Maybe he knows the offensive system a little bit that they're trying to play. I'm not saying go pick up Rod Smith, but if he somehow gets himself into this mix, I wouldn't be super stunned. I wouldn't be super stunned if I'm in a 14, 16-team league if you want your dart throw because a lot of these other guys are already taken, including like a McKinnon already. You can. The only thing with Rod Smith is now I kind of liken it to the Rams situation is even if he ends up surprising and being the guy, I feel like all three of them are going to be involved now because there is no Saquon Barkley. So even if Goldman ends up third and Rod Smith is number one, Lewis still kind of settles into that role where he's going to be involved in the passing game. So it's just, it feels gross. And honestly, again, I go back to the bigger thing here is against the past happiest team in the league. And that's against two tough opponents so far. It gets easier, but I don't know if that's going to change how they throw. Yeah, it's a really difficult situation. Like, would you blow your budget? If you lost Saquon or you lost McCaffrey, would you blow your budget on Deion Lewis? I don't think I would. No. I would go for Mike Davis, even though it's only potentially three, four weeks. Uh, You would think the Panthers would kind of say, hey, we just saw what Saquon happened last year, and then he came back too soon, and he wasn't effective till late in the year. We're a young, rebuilding team. Like, let's keep McCaffrey healthy. You would think they would go that route, but McCaffrey said he sees it as a challenge just like Saquon did last year, and if he comes back and it's only three weeks, but with Mike Davis, you know what you're getting for those three weeks. So I would say he's the one to blow your budget and your number one spot. But you know, if you're super deep at running back already, I would immediately try to trade him. Like I would still go get Davis, but I would immediately try to trade him because somebody's desperate right now. Yeah, I actually have had a few conversations. I have Mike Davis. One of the strategies that we talked about before the year was draft other people's handcuffs, uh, especially of the guys that right. you know could step into that role. So I just have Mike Davis on a bunch of rosters uh, from that. Uh, my team's not off to a super hot start. Thanks, Michael Thomas and Kenny Galladay. Not doing so great. <laughs> but at the same time, like I think McCaffrey owners and the Barkley owners, for that matter, have come after me about Mike Davis. Like, even the Barkley owners feel more confident in Mike Davis right now as a potential fill-in like they don't want to go spend 90% of their fab budget on Deion Lewis although Deion Lewis might be the might end up being the better play if he ends up securing this job and having it all year like he's a fringe top 10 running back which just no one really expects that to happen yeah and and that's really what the issue here is and unfortunately it kind of feels like by necessity a lot of people are going to have to go after these guys and McKinnon's even a temporary situation. It, although it is Shanahan, I mean, Mostert might come back and McKinnon. Oh, if, looks so if you good think maybe, that Jarek McKinnon is outscoring Jeff Wilson this week, just don't don't even think about that. Like, and full. Wait, wait, wait. Are you basing that on if Nick Mullins or uh, Garoppolo plays, or are you just saying that straight up? Period. I'm just saying that straight up. Like everyone's going to be in on McKinnon oh, this no. week, myself included. And then all of a sudden, we're going to get to the goal line. It's going to be three touchdowns for him or Jerzyk. <laughs> 
Here's here's the good thing is you know, similar to the Giants being the past happiest. It, Garoppolo, if plays, he's actually throwing to running backs more than anybody, including Rivers so far this year. So, well, do you think do you think that's a pro- do you think that's a product of? I mean, the offense is obviously going to be the same as it has been the first yeah, two weeks. No but wide it, receivers. I know a, where you're going. Yeah, it's a product of no one in the receiving game, but that hasn't changed. No, it hasn't. Debo's still not back till next week, so we're still okay. And Kittle might not play again, even though Jordan Reed was like a plug-and-play smash. Like, I wasn't even expecting that. We hadn't seen Jordan Reed. It's kind of the A.J. Green situation. Well, it's kind of weird with Jordan Reed. I think he only played 26% of the offensive snaps. Yet yeah. Somehow we had seven targets and <laughs> like touchdowns. Super low. Well, it's because who else are they going to go to in the red zone? There's like, if no Jordan Reed, that might have been a Kendrick Bourne game because there's just nobody to go to in the red red zone. Yeah, Bourne started picking it up late, but uh, he was a favor to Nick Mullins, put it that way. Something to watch out for this week if Mullins ends up starting. Back this week, potentially. But let's. And you saw who just got signed, right? For the Niners? Lake Bortles. Oh, yeah, Blake, Blake, Blake Bortles went to Denver. Mohamed Sanu is probably going to play a bigger part with the Niners this week, I would assume. I would assume. I mean, he's got the familiarity with Shanahan, but this still also feels like just wait until Debo gets back. Oh, yeah, for sure. But then you have Sanu. I mean, Russell Gage stole his role in Atlanta of, like, wildcat quarterback. Oh. Maybe you can incorporate that in. Plus, I get my one nickname back. That's true. If he, <laughs> If he's active then you're looking good. Let's talk running back <laughs> rankings, though. So the week two running back rankings, again, you can find all of the updated rankings in the description of this video and up on DKNation.com. Likely in. This is going to be some like fudging here. So if you look at my rankings, I have likely in. Those are guys that I, I have in the rankings. The guys that I have likely out are not in the rankings. You don't need to ask me questions about this. It's not that complicated. If there's out next to their name, they're definitely not in the rankings. But that's how the rankings are adjusted across <laughs> all of the rankings. They're all kind of linked together. So if one guy's it's at running back maybe that means more opportunity at wide receiver for someone else that's why they would appear to be higher in that sense i just want to explain that once again so people are like ah, you know how it is anyway most people are pretty good about it they understand some people are just like ah, and that's how it goes likely can it- i go ah, 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 because daryl only has one l can i do that yeah <laughs> sure yeah sorry i spelled <laughs> daryl williams wrong no i just I, I i was thinking you were gonna be like i don't effing care because i know you don't care about spelling I, I don't. Uh, you know who I'm talking about. Likely in the Duke Johnson. <laughs> Hi-ho, Duke. Cam Akers with his ribs and Malcolm Brown with his finger all in the rankings. Likely out. James White. I currently have him listed as out. I don't know if he's going to be back with the team or not. If he is, I will put him in the rankings. Uh, Mostert with his knee, probably not going to play. Coleman with his knee, probably not going to play. Mike Boone, the Boone King. Concussion, probably not going to play. Daryl Williams, ankle, probably not going to play. Darrington Evans, your boy, hamstring, probably not going to play. Justin Jackson, his quad, probably not going to play. They might play, and if they do, I'll put them in the likely in section. For now, as we talk about these <laughs> rankings, they're out. Philip Lindsay, Le'Veon Bell, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, all out. That brings us to the rankings. Number one, Zeke at the Seahawks, Kamara, Henry, Aaron Jones, Miles Sanders, Dalvin Cook, Jonathan Taylor, Chris Carson, Josh Jacobs, and Mike Davis at number 10. That's followed down the list. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at Baltimore on Monday evening. Nick Chubb, James Conner, James Robinson, Austin Eckler, Joe Mixon, Kenyon Drake, Jarek McKinnon, Kareem Hunt, and Todd Gurley. That is my top 20. I'm feeling uh, a lot of bad vibes about Todd Gurley, man. Uh, if he wasn't able to do it against Dallas mm-hmm. in that high scoring of a game, they're not passing to the running backs whatsoever, which is probably you know a fundamental good idea by the Falcons, passing down the field a lot. But I really thought they would get Gurley more involved in the passing game. I agree. And so something that I tweeted out yesterday for stat-wise is very similar to what you were saying. So he had targets in the first week. He has, I think, two catches for one yard or something like that. But he had zero in week two, not even a target. And I said, he's essentially turned into Sony Michelle. 
like what's the difference but not this year sony michelle like two years ago sony michelle like that's what you're hoping for is like some rushing touchdowns but this is a passing offense three wide receivers including a tight end with hayden hurst somebody seemingly gets left out of every single week as hurst week one julio week two but Matt Ryan's just going to keep throwing. And as you mentioned, even if you include the others like Brian Hill and Ito and all that type of stuff, still very few targets going to the running back situation there. So I'm with you with the concerns. I think Todd Gurley deserves to be down in a low end RB2 conversation right there where you have. And I know you didn't say David Johnson yet, but I think that's a very fair spot for him going forward as he falls into there. My only issue with your ranking so far is Mike Davis feels aggressive for me, not because of Mike Davis, and I know he had the receptions, which looked really good, especially if you're half and full PR, but I would put him only three spots. I would behind Edwards Hilaire, Chubb, and Connor, trusted roles, and here's what it comes down to. The Chargers' defense, good for what they did, no, I know, but all the injuries, I give that defense and Gus Bradley so much credit for what they did for basically the entirety of that game. Uh, they really held them in check. Uh, Mahomes took off late in that game, but they kept Edwards Hilaire in check. They bottled up the backfield for much of the game. I'm not saying they're going to stop Mike Davis. I'm just saying between the trusted workload there and the Chargers giving me surprisingly confidence that they can limit teams, I would just move them down three spots. So I guess my pushback on Mike Davis in this spot is going to be the reception total. Uh, I don't think he's going to have eight catches every single game, but I think with the way that this defense is constructed, the offensive line not holding the best for Teddy throws of Elton this spot, and I do think that they're going to be passing mm-hmm. a lot, which means he's going to have to get the ball out very quickly, which I think does mean a lot of DJ Moore. It uh, means a lot of Mike Davis in this game. I think this particular setup where the Chargers are able to generate so much pressure will actually funnel a lot of targets to him. I can see not having the trust in Mike Davis, and maybe they activate Reggie Bonifon off the practice squad, and it's like a split, and you're absolutely fucked. Like, that could happen. Uh, I'm not going to pretend like <laughs> Or it use more Curtis Samuel. Like Liz Chenault and yeah. Robert Woods. Actually, more like Chenault. Chenault's getting three or four carries a week. But I'm not too concerned about three or four carries a week. Like, that's fine. Like, if I don't think that Davis is just going to step in and play 99% of the snaps like McCaffrey was. I'm projecting him more in like the 70 75 range. But as long as he right. gets the goal line work, he's predominantly on the field. I think in this matchup, it would make him a top 10 back. And only because I don't love the rest of it. Like, Chubb against Washington, like, it really does feel like Chubb's either going to have a bonanza game or not a good game at all. So I kind of have to hedge with my <laughs> ranking of him. Like I am putting in some downside with him and this Washington defense, like still pretty good. I just, cause they didn't win last week. Doesn't mean they're not good. Uh, they still you know, got a ton of pressure on Kyler Murray. The front seven is still very good that this could be more of a Kareem hunt game, depending on what the score is. Mm. See, well, that's where I was going to go to. The score is uh, the team's still not very good, so this should be a Cleveland Browns win. And in that case, I'm yeah, but it's, let's so, not pretend like the Browns are super great too. No, they're not. But if you're talking about the fact, like, look, just what happened last week, the points being there, and it was all Chubb, and then Hunt didn't get Hunt got his later on because the Bengals kept pace, like. Yeah, that's what I'm going here is like, do the footballs keep pace like the Bengals did because the Browns defense isn't any good? Well, that comes down to Haskins, who Haskins has pretty much been like the Ryan Tannehill without the touchdowns. It's like low volume, less efficient. Tyre McLaurin is the only guy. So do they keep pace? I don't know if they have the firepower to keep pace. And I'm not talking about another 30 plus points, but even I mean, even this team getting 20 plus is feels like a good week for them. So I understand that again, we're nitpicking here. I'm just saying if somebody picks up Mike Davis and has the choice, I think the biggest one that I'm coming down to here is you could probably have the conversation on your team right now. Like a lot of teams probably 
have Edwards Hilaire, probably have Chubb and don't even have Davis, probably aren't number one in the waiver priority, probably aren't stressing Mike Davis. But the James Conner, Mike Davis situation, I'm still going Conner. They went right back to him. Mike Tomlin proved again it's James Conner. Every time he's healthy, he is the guy. So I would I would trust James Conner more. I agree with you in the passing game, but I, I would just trust James Conner more. Okay, I'm going to keep Davis at number 10. I do like Davis, but maybe I should move up Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I don't know. But Josh Jacobs is someone I want to talk about for a second. Uh, It's funny, when I faded him on DraftKings in week one, the whole point was, well, he needs at least two touchdowns to really burn me here if my other guys perform where they should. He scored three touchdowns. What I really should have done, and he wasn't on the main slate, obviously, was faded him in week two because everything I needed from him in week one, he did in week two. He piled up. (laughs) <laughs> 25 carries like didn't break 100 yards only had three receptions like it wasn't a very good fantasy game now if he ends up getting two of those touches from the one and gets in it's a fantastic game so the opportunity is going to be there but it's just sometimes weird how that kind of variance ends up working it's like people are talking about like trading derrick henry this week because he like had a bad game against jacksonville like he still had 84 yards on 25 carries like that's the important number yeah the 25 carries and it just so happened jacksonville sold out to stop him and didn't bother to cover anyone in the passing game so if that's going to be the case yeah it's going to hurt his value i wouldn't expect that every single time by uh, teams just leaving receivers open in the end zone uh, or just being like yeah john and smith and just let him run he can't catch like maybe they'll figure <laughs> out that he can catch that's something that can happen but with jacobs even against carolina the very perceived like worst run defense in the the league not a very high yards per carry also not a very high yards per carry against the saints either like he's not breaking off big ones he's just getting a lot of volume right now yeah and i think but that's the the appeal is similar to what you just mentioned with derrick henry is he's derrick henry with some receiving game value and honestly like i know this doesn't matter because it didn't matter in the end of things because he didn't get the touchdown, but he kind of actually did get that touchdown because he was laying on the defender when he fumbled it and reached over. But that being said, you know, that went, doesn't matter. Didn't happen. Essentially. Nobody's going to remember it in history, Uh, but I have no problem with Jacobs. Uh, Like the Derrick Henry. I love too is, as you said, I would go try and buy low right now with people panicking against the Vikings defense, which trades new. We talked about it last week. It's a new system and it's new players and they haven't been able to do anything yet. And Barkley's barking. That's something. So, uh, <laughs> she's, she's upset about the Minnesota Vikings defense. Uh, Derek Henry is, is a great option here. The Vikings defense looks piss poor. So far. Barkley. Barkley is going nuts back. That doesn't, doesn't like this about uh, maybe Josh Jacobs shouldn't be compared to Derrick Henry in the sense. The reason I compare them is just, it seems like a lot of volume just chase the volume and you're going to be good. The touchdowns are going to follow, but you're going to have weeks where these guys don't score touchdowns. Like it's not the end of the world. It's like all the Julio people that are losing their minds. It's like, it's all right. Like not every single player is going to have 16 good games. If you can get like 12 really good games out of any player, like they're a top 10 pick basically. Isn't that what we're looking for? That's what I said about Austin Eckler after week one. If you told me 20 touches for Austin Eckler, which he got again, and everybody's panicking about Austin Eckler because Josh Kelly got involved. Like, okay, so Austin Eckler's a fringe RB1. So what? Like, you just to what your point is, everybody's not going to be Christian McCaffrey, who's now hurt, and not everybody's going to be Ezekiel Elliott. There's a reason these are the top four or five picks. There's a reason these guys are so few and far between. Enjoy what you get. Like, everybody... Let's look at the opposite, Pat. Everybody's losing their damn minds and like throwing their pants in the air for Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is the uh, Amari Cooper of running backs. Yes, he just scores a billion touchdowns, but now it'll be like three weeks of single-digit points until he does it again. 
Yeah, and it's funny that it went back to the splits from last year. One of the reasons that I was dad on Aaron Jones coming to the year because it was the return of Devontae Adams. And when Devontae Adams was healthy last season, Aaron Jones didn't didn't have the games that he was posting. Like, the reason that you would draft him as a top 10 running back was when Devontae Adams was out. What happens here? Devontae Adams gets hurt. Aaron Jones goes off. So if Devontae Adams comes back healthy against the Saints, like, listen, I, I do think that Aaron Jones is a fantastic play this week, but it wouldn't super stun me if it went back and it's like, oh, it's all Devontae Adams again. Like, this is what we've seen happen over the past two years. Yeah, if Devontae Adams is 100%, I think that's part of the reason, too, is that yes. even before he came out, he looked to be, yeah, less than 100%. Um, I will push back on Eckler, though. Like, I'm not feeling Eckler at all. Uh, it's really troubling to me. Now, I think that having Herbert is in the game is much better for him, as we saw for even even Kelly as well in his receiving game prowess, which isn't great by any means. But I have Austin Eckler at 15, like a mid-tier number two here. But I do worry that like when they do get in close, inside the five-yard line, like Eckler doesn't have a touch yet in that sense. And Joshua Kelly's primarily the one on the field. And if it is Herbert, Herbert also not afraid to call his own number from in close too. So I just worry about his overall upside. I think that his floor is going to be very stable, but he might have to do it himself from longer out, which is somewhat problematic from time to time. You want to get a few of those easy scores along the way. Yeah, but he had three rushing touchdowns last year, eight receiving. I think the eight receiving was a little bit high to expect anyway. But again, I said fringe RB1. So you have him three spots from being an RB1. My entire point about Austin Eckler was everybody is complaining about him, so I'll go buy low, similar to Derrick Henry. Like, again, I don't care if he never gets a rushing touchdown this year. I mean, obviously that would hurt, but 20 touches per week, I want any running back that's getting 20 touches per week. I want Joe Mixon. I know it's annoying when Giovanni Bernard is in there in two-minute mornings or two-minute, I should say, offense. Um, but the fact is, is like 20 touches per week is 20 touches per week. He's going to probably finish as a top 15 almost every single week if you're going to get 20 touches. And that's I'll just rather take that safety than chasing like you don't you don't have him in front of him. But I'd rather do that than chase Jarek McKinnon, hoping that, you know, he's going to get enough volume when you're going to get 20 guaranteed touches. Yeah, I think that's sort of the cutoff this week. Like I have the James like James Robinson is locked into touches like you can't convince me otherwise until it actually happens. And he's playing Miami. So I really like this matchup. Then Eckler, then Mixon, then Drake, like Eckler, Mixon and Drake are all a part of these like weird top end committees. But I like the matchup for Eckler this week against Carolina. Like their run defense is not great. Uh, so he should be able to kind of run hog wild here. I worry about the Kelly not necessarily usurping his role, but taking away the valuable touches from him, same as Mixon. And just with Drake, like, you know, Kyler Murray's turning a bit into Josh Alleny a little bit where he's stealing the touchdowns from the running backs. And that just yeah, overall... Yeah, but it is the Lions. It, it is the Lions, but Chase Edmonds is going to be involved as well. Like, but... Drake is almost in the Eckler category right now. He's getting his like 16 to 20 touches every single week. He just hasn't done what you want with them yet. And eventually that's going to come around if you keep getting this sort of opportunity. I do think there's a line of demarcation after Drake into McKinnon because I really don't know about McKinnon, but I have no Coleman ranked. I have no Colonel Mostart ranked. So it's going to be McKinnon. It's going to be Jeff Wilson. And I guess uh, Jamichael Hasty might get promoted from the practice squad. I don't know what's going on there, but... I have him ranked at 18, <laughs> Jarek at this point. But like, if he had a really bad game, like, uh, again, like I don't want to say, I, I don't want to play both sides of this. Like, I would play Jarek if I had him. Like, I have him ranked at number 18. Obviously, I like him, but right. there does seem to be considerable downside with him too. There is. And did you just compare running backs to the Atlantic Ocean? You say to the Atlantic Ocean? Yeah. Yes. The line of demarcation. Yes. Okay. This is the first. <laughs> 
I just I've never heard somebody break off running back rankings with the line of demarcation. Well, I mean, you usually only do this with me every day. I'm I'm reading like atlases to my child, so uh, so he can get a head up on geography. Uh, so everything's fresh. Everything's fresh in my mind right now. But like Jarek over Kareem Hunt, I think Kareem Hunt probably has a better floor. But I would take that upside shot on Jarek. I would too. And I mean, you could argue there's a, got a lot of guys, but like Todd Gurley has a floor. David Johnson has a floor. Melvin Gordon has a floor. But yeah, I think the only one we can get a discussion about, and I'm sure you're about to talk about it, is the Leonard Fournette situation. I, I don't know what to do with that. Like just straight up, like I'm throwing my hands <laughs> in the air. Like, I don't know. I, I, I have him at number 23. Right. And I'll, look, this is one of those situations where you don't have to. But if it's my team and I'm doing it personally, I'll take it on the chin by putting Leonard Fournette higher. I would play Leonard Fournette over Todd Gurley at this point because at least from my view, and I think a lot of people's view, and again, you don't have to agree, but Bruce Arians was looking for a reason to pull Ronald Jones. That fumble wasn't 100% his fault, yet they blamed it on Ronald Jones, said it was all his fault. And then from that point on in the game, five touches for Ronald Jones, 14 for Leonard Fournette. He was, he was waiting to yank him from the roll, I think this is Leonard Fournette's backfield. Again, I'm not saying I 100% trust Arians. Like, just the proof is the entire time he kept saying Ronald Jones was the guy. But I feel like we kind of always felt like he wasn't telling the truth, and now this is the evidence that he was waiting for it. So with how poor Todd Gurley has looked in that backfield and not getting the passing game work, I would put Leonard Fournette all the way up at 20. Again, it's only three spots, but I'll take it if he's in my line. I'll take it if Arians kills me. All right, so 21 to 30, I got David Johnson against the Steelers. Like, David Johnson played 95% of the snaps. Yes, Duke Johnson will be yeah, back this Steelers. week. It's a, it's a really bad matchup, but this is a great time. Like, if you want to go buy David Johnson this week or after next week, if he's going to continue to play this percentage of the snaps and he's healthy, he's going to be very good in the upcoming weeks because after the Steelers, he goes Vikings, Jags, Titans, Packers, Jags. Uh, and if you're going to be getting your, like, 25 touches a game, some in the passing game, and playing over 90% of the snaps, that's going to directly result into fantasy points. And I'm not even a David Johnson supporter, but that's a really nice stretch. Uh, and just the value on him after two really tough matchups in a row is tough. Melvin Gordon against, like, the toughest run D, but... <sighs> Stupid Melvin Gordon. I hate him so much. I just wish <laughs> Philip Lindsay would come back, but he's like the guy there now. And, and for, what if Bortles is that quarterback? <laughs> Bortles isn't, but Driscoll's playing quarterback. Come on. I just, uh, I just for fun of it. Uh, but he's another one of the guys that's just going to get all the touches. So that's why I have him ranked over Fournette. My pushback on Fournette is the reason that I don't know is because this is still, like, we talk as much about Ronald Jones as we want. LaShawn McCoy is still getting involved in this backfield for reasons unknown, but he's out there and he's catching passes. Like all these guys are just taken away from the bottom line of Fournette that if he's not scoring the touchdown, I don't really know what else he's doing. Mm, uh, Again, I'm okay with it. I'm not really that concerned about LaShawn McCoy, but look, I understand. I already gave my case. All right, so I have Dion Lewis at number 25 right after this. I can see this ranking changing throughout the week once we get more information. But if he's going to be the I'd guy, you would play Montgomery over him against Atlanta. I just think this is going to be a very pass-happy game. Uh, when we get to my defense okay. rankings, you're going to see a very surprised number one defense this week. But I know that he was used, I mean, he, got a, he had a receiving touchdown uh, last week. 
But at the same time, they're still yeah, using... Yeah, they gave Cohen a contract, and what, do you have one target in yeah, the game? so I would think that would change. Like, Cohen, I'm not necessarily even saying it's Cohen to be used in the passing game if they're playing catch-up, but one of the reasons that Montgomery was on the field, and he left for a while, too, because he had a head injury, came back in the game. But they were up that entire game. That's going to lead to David Montgomery's scripts. And now they're underdogs in this game in Atlanta. You would expect Atlanta to be scoring some points here. That I think you're going to see some more Cordero Patterson, some more Tariq Cohen over the passing game usage that David Montgomery got. So that's my hesitation i have him as a low-end number two of flex play i think he's fine but i don't know this game could smell of six points for him too like if he has no catches it could just be like 14 carries for 60 yards and that's it yeah look i i get the downside argument and i'll argue back for him is that he's looked good through two games Uh, i know they could go any which way with them in that backfield with Tariq cohen but Tariq cohen i don't know why they gave him the contract like after last year I think you just stick with David Montgomery. So I understand it, but you know, what if they're down? Let, let's, go, let's go to the argument. What if they're down 21 nothing right out of the gate? Do you really think it's going to be like all Tariq Cohen? He's proven that he can't do that. Uh, I don't think it's going to be all Tariq Cohen. I think you will see more Cordero Patterson line up in the backfield. Uh, all right. Well, yeah, a little bit with that. I still feel better about David Montgomery than trying to figure out if it's going to be Deion Lewis or Wayne Gallman. Uh, Antonio Gibson, you know, I love him as a talent, but. I still think it's going to be like, I wouldn't be surprised once Bryce Love is ready if he starts getting in the mix because I just don't think they want Antonio Gibson to start touching the ball 15 plus times a game, just similar to like an Eckler before this year type of situation. So, again, nitpicking, but I feel better about Montgomery versus Gibson and Lewis, though. Again, like we're talking, we're splitting hairs again. I just, I, I, my job is to try and tell you where I disagree a little bit. And I, it's I like know, small Jake, Jake, you don't need to explain to me why you're pushing back. My no, ranking, no, no. My rankings are terrible. Listening. Everyone it's, knows it's this. small disagreements. It's small uh, disagreements. After that, I have Josh Kelly, Miles Gaskin, DeAndre Swift, and Naheem Hines at number 30. I actually think Naheem Hines is one of the best buy low candidates on the board, but you might just wait till people drop him after waivers and you can go pick him up. I don't love this spot against the Jets just because I think that anytime that the Colts end up blowing teams out or getting up by a bunch, it's just going to be a heavy dose of Jonathan Taylor. Uh, so this week might not be the week for him, but more competitive games. He's going to go back to what you saw in week one, not the two touchdowns, but his involvement in the passing game playing like 40% of the snaps. The only reason Jordan Wilkins got so involved last week is because they were winning by so much. Uh, don't expect that every right. single week. So I think that he can luck box his way into like four, five, six catches. I think the floor is still pretty good for Naheem Hines. Not every single week, but in this game against a notoriously bad pass defense, I think you can play him. Same thing with DeAndre Swift. Like, yes, carry on got the touchdown last Last week, Swift's playing the snaps, Swift's being used in the passing game right. if they get down. And it's not like the Cardinals aren't running a really high pace of play. They are. So you can expect to see more offensive plays, at least presumably, from the Lions this week, which just means a lot of him on the field getting the valuable touches, meaning he's going to get a lot of receptions if they're playing from behind. They're massive underdogs uh, against the Cardinals. So I like him. With, with the Kelly thing, uh, Kelly, I, again, I have higher rank as these red zone touches, and I think that he can get like 12 to 15 carries in this game against Carolina, and that's just very valuable. It is, and I think that the usage for Kelly just in general in matchups like this feels better. You know, he had more carries to begin with last week, and that was against a much better team and a much better offense. So I think that might have just been the number of snaps that they had in general. But I don't mind this ranking, even though, you know, well, I mean, who, who are you going to push in front of them? Everybody behind them is in split situations, so I have no problem with them being there. Yeah, and not even split situations. At least the split situation with Eckler and Kelly seems to be rather defined. Like, Eckler plays when they're at this point of the field. Kelly plays when they're at this point of the field. But they're both going to get carries as the game goes along. When we get to 31 to 40, like, it's just unknown situations of... 
it could be any random week, any random score, anywhere on the field, like different guys are on the field. And which is smart from a real life perspective to keep, you know, the defense is on their toes to keep other teams guessing. But from a fantasy perspective, it's a fucking headache. Uh, 31, J.K. Dobbins <laughs> against the Chief. Mark Ingram has been guest ranked at number 32. Daryl Henderson, Devin Singletary, Malcolm Brown, Zach Moss. Like, all these guys are on the same fucking teams. Tariq Cohen, Sex Rex. <laughs> uh, Jeff Wilson Jr., who I really do think is going to steal a touchdown. Uh, and Sony Michelle. Like... Sonny Michelle sucks, and Cam is now stealing all of his touchdowns, so that's not great. But with the Ravens' backfield, like, if Gus Edwards had the most touches in this backfield this week, yeah, that, that could definitely happen. He played 31% last week. Uh, Lucifer nah. himself played in the 40s. Like, Edwards and Dobbins played the same amount of snaps last week. Like, that's just not good news for anyone. No, but Edwards was all mop-up duty, so that's really what it comes down to. So, like, it, the thing is, is where you have them, though, Dobbins and guest rank. Like, I'm not even going to complain. I thought Ingram would be a slightly higher guest rank after what he did last week because Dobbins didn't see a lot of work until the second half and in addition to it. And then Gus Edwards, as I mentioned, got all of it, essentially, in the fourth quarter. So I'm not worried about Gus Edwards, but I think where we have them, this is going to be the situation going forward is Dobbins or Ingram week. The interesting thing was that Dobbins got nothing until the second half. So we could listen to the team. We could see what happens and you can try and play it every single week, or you could just try and sell high on Mark Ingram right now and get the hell away from it. Or people are still excited about Dobbins. Go sell him too. Just get, you should have stayed away from this backfield as, as much as possible. Think Burkhead is going to do anything here. The Raiders like surprisingly. Okay. But their defense is horrendous, but I feel like they get no pressure. It's really weird. So if, does that mean Cam's James just white doesn't return? If yeah, if James and these rankings don't have James White in them, right? That's why I was yeah, saying yeah, that's a fair spot. But I mean, that's where you want him is in that Jeff Wilson stealing a touchdown, Tariq Cohen being used more this week because the Falcons play catch up or playing catch up against the Falcons. Uh, you know what? The Zach Moss actually would be the one that would slide back behind these guys because. The concern with Zach Moss, and you talked about last week for the matchup, it was that, hey, if they have a lead, he'll be the guy. But he wasn't even really much the guy even when it was tied. It was Singletary, and then he's not getting used in the passing game much at all either. So you put all that together against the Rams, who are stout, not one of the worst matchups in the league, but decent against the run, which seems like a Singletary game because I don't expect them to have the lead. So it feels like Zach Moss might just be left out again this week. Potentially. I mean, the Bills are favored in that game. They're expected to win, at least by Vegas. By whoa, more, whoa, whoa, by more They're than the favored? Field. Yeah, they're favored by three and a half points, I believe. Really? Paul, what's the spread in that game? No, I'm asking. Oh, you asked Paul. I yeah. think it's down to two. It's down to no two. They are favored in the game, though. That's just shocking to me. Like, I like the Bills, but wow. Yeah, Bills that, at home, West me. West Coast team coming east for an early game. And the Bills have looked really good, despite the uh, fact so, okay, yeah, absolute so cupcakes the to start the year. No, I was thinking I was thinking this was in Los Angeles. So I could, so three points is home field advantage. So they're technically, if it's down to two, they're technically in a neutral field down by one. Well, so, I mean every okay, field but every right. but every field's a neutral field now. It is, but I'm saying doesn't Vegas bake it's usually averaged three points for home field advantage. Like, I think average. It's kind of that's just more like narrative talk than actually what happens <laughs> is that like is, is that a baseball unwritten rule yeah a little bit i mean if they're like <laughs> there are certain home crowds and the bills would be a home crowd that would give you a, a point point and a half advantage on the spread but wait, wait are they no a fans. home crowd or are they just a parking lot crowd no they're a great home crowd i mean I, i've been to the tailgate okay. and been to bills games like, okay it's fired up in there <laughs> 
I just wasn't sure if it was like parking lot only. I wasn't sure if like even 20% of those people never even make it in the stadium. Uh, they don't make it into the stadium, but well, most people do. They're just not allowed in because they're too drunk. <laughs> Fun party, though. I'll go give them that. Uh, any Broke other, too many tables. Yeah. Any other running backs you want to talk about from down here? Like if we get more word on the Gallman situation with Lewis or if Rod Smith is active, like I'll change those guys up. But I don't yeah. really see anyone else down here. No, nah, there's not really much else down here to even mess around with. I mean, like the, the the dolphin situation. I said if you want to go Gaskin in the waiver column, that's fine. But I would avoid this at all costs. I mean, wonderful Jordan Howard is five carries for four yards and a touchdown. Woo, yay! But you know, that's there's nothing really down here. Like Chris Thompson is pretty much left out unless they're passing a lot. And even then, it's all wide receivers. I think this is just telling that we're in week three and you already get down to the forties and it's like, ugh. Yeah. Well, injuries, man. It'll it'll get you. Injuries and committees, never fun. Wide receiver rankings for week three half point PPR. Likely in I have Devontae Adams, Will Fuller, DJ Chark, Chris Godwin, and Kenny Galladay. Likely out, I have Michael Thomas, Sterling Shepard, Sammy Watkins, Brashad Perriman, Chris Hogan, Jamison Crowder, so all the Jets. AJ Brown and Alshon Jeffrey out. For sure, as we kind of know right now, Pally Campbell and Cortland Sutton leading to the rankings. DeAndre Hopkins, number one. I have DeAndre or Devonte Adams as playing, so I put him in the rankings. He's number two. Allen Robinson is about to go bananas at some point, so I'm just going to say this is the week when they have to throw a ton. Uh, number three, Lockett, Godwin, DK Metcalf, Julio, Mike Evans, Calvin Ridley, Tyreek Hill. Into my guy, High T, Scoring McLaurin, Jules Edelman, Keenan Allen. That's assuming Herbert is playing, by the way, and not Tyrod. Tyler Boyd, Amari Cooper, Kenny Galladay, Adam Thielen, Juju, Marquise Brown, DJ Moore at number 20. Can you make the case for me, because I was thinking about doing this, that Deontay Johnson should be higher than Juju? Mm, You can certainly make the case he's getting the volume over Juju Smith-Schuster. So I haven't yet done my rankings, so I haven't looked at the matchups for the Houston Texans secondary. I think that might come into play going forward, because the big thing, look, here's what we know. Juju Smith-Schuster, like Michael Thomas, like other kind of guys, Keenan Allen, the big slot. That means not outside all the time, and not every corner drops down and will play that position. So Deontay Johnson plays outside. If he gets some more slot work, actually, I don't even know if the slots percentages for Juju Smith-Schuster pull that up too. But those, these are I say all that. I don't know the answer right now. Like These are the things you look into for Deontay Johnson. Right now, he's getting the volume, and you can make the case. But before I do my rankings for week three, like these are the kind of things I would look at to see who would get the more projected target volume. Well, just looking I'm at it right... To, I'm pulling it up right now. Well, just looking at it right now uh, on ftnfantasy.com. This is a free tool you can go under uh, if you want to go check that out. Again, at ftnfantasy.com. It's the Air Yards tool, so it has a bunch of different things that you can go separate. One of them is the Whopper, which is the weighted average that incorporates a player's share of team targets and share of team's Air Yards into one percentage. Deontay Johnson is currently ninth in the league with over 69% uh, of the targets and Air Yards share of the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's an incredible amount like the other guys in that category if we just go from like one down to Deontay Johnson is Edelman Hopkins Crowder Thielen Devontae Adams Amari Cooper Odell Allen Robinson DJ Moore and Deontay Johnson it's a pretty good company to be in it certainly is and I just pulled it up while I was looking uh 13.9 percent slot for Deontay Johnson significantly higher 90 wait let me go back to it Juju Smith-Schuster 72 percent in the slot so like I said, where I would go next is looking at the Houston matchup. 
and seeing who plays the slot most. And so you got Bradley Roby outside, who just did a really good job. Hargraves outside, and Eric Murray plays the slot. Eric Murray is kind of there. So it would feel like Juju might have a better chance this week. And Roby did a really good job last week. So that would be my concern there. But these are the things, because it's so close, these are the things, in addition to what you just said on FTN, these are the kind of things I'll incorporate to all of them is Deontay's got an enormous volume opportunity from the stats you brought up. But then also at the same time, you look at the matchup and I would put all that together. So I think they'll be very close. And if you want to put Deontay first, I'm not going to say you're crazy. Yeah, I mean, I have Juju over him right now. For reference, I have Deontay Johnson at number 25. In but the if you want to flip it, if I you, think if you want, closer. yeah, if you want, I mean, I, I have guys in the middle I like a little bit more. But if I was to flip it, I would put Johnson at 18 and Juju drop behind the pack. I mean, they can both have really good games. We saw that on you know the opening Monday night. But it feels like it's one is going to have a lean over the other, especially when it comes down to touchdowns. Can, can, can we circle back to one thing, though? You kind of did. You said it without saying it. You basically said, which, you know, I hate this argument. You just you said Allen Robinson was due without saying Allen Robinson was due. He is due. Like, I mean, if we talk about due in a <laughs> no such thing, I mean, there's due in a perspective of what was it, what has been his opportunity so far versus results. That's one of the great things about air yards. When you look at the them, regression, like, it's not necessarily regression. It's just, what is the opportunity? And maybe the opportunity isn't as much as the stats make it out to be, but I just look at the opportunity from his own team. He's obviously leading in targets. Uh, he has 27 through two games, only 13 receptions for 181 right. yards for Allen Robinson. This is going to be the primo matchup that he gets solely because Atlanta's going to score points on the Bears. At least I project them to score a lot of points on the Bears, which means Mitch Trubisky is going to have to drop back and pass like 40 to 50 times in this game. And if that's going to be the case, and they're not throwing to Anthony Miller anymore. Like when you just look at the overall, I mentioned that the, you know, the 69% air yards plus targets for the team share for Deontay Johnson, Allen Robinson's at over 71%, like through volume alone. That's why I say that he's due. Like these op unrealized opportunities that he has should really come to fruition this week. Everything's kind of pointing that way. All right. So, yeah. Okay. So positive regression. If people want to throw even though regression means both, but yeah, I just, I, it's a personal thing. I just hate it's due. That's like the people in baseball. Like he's over 30. He's due for hit. No, he's not. Every single hits a different adventure by itself. No, disagree. So 21 to 30, Robert Woods, he's due. <laughs> Devonte Parker, 22. He's due against Jacksonville. DJ Chark, definitely due. He's a number 23. Cooper Cup, I don't know if he's due or not, but he could be due, so he's a number 24. <laughs> Deontay Johnson, Stephen Diggs, Jervis Landry, Corey Davis, Michael Gallup, and Marv Jones against the Cardinals. The funny thing about Marvin Is Jones... Is he due? Oh, he's due. No, he, he was due last week. That's why he got the touchdown after week one. Uh, but Marvin Jones' target share, air yards, anything, doesn't change whether Galladay's in or out. It's really weird. It's all the same. And actually, it was a little bit concerning. I know we're not talking tight ends is the fact that TJ Hawkinson's only getting like 13, 14% of the targets without Galladay. Like, I, I understand why Stafford loves throwing to Cephas and Marvin Hall and all anybody else on this team besides like his best weapons. It kind of feels a little Drew Brees like. Yeah. Well, I mean, non noodle arm Drew Brees, but I get your point. <laughs> Exactly. Well, to go, that includes Marvin Jones. It's like, he just doesn't, it's not like any given week he's going to be like, yep, this guy is the best. He's just obliterating the defense. I'm going to give him 25 targets. Like that's just, he's going to throw it around to everybody, no matter what. You worried about DJ Chark at all? Cause this is the lowest I've had him ranked all year. And I'm like over the moon on DJ Chark. I have him on like every single team, but this is a, especially with Byron Jones out. I think this is a really good matchup, but you're seeing that Jacksonville not afraid to use like five different receivers at this point. The target share for DJ Chark is only around like 19% right now. So it's funny you said that 
Uh, I was looking at this for the waiver column. You know, they're the only team that's run five wide. Or no, wait, no, that's the Bills. The Bills are the only team that, yeah, the Bills are the only team that, or it's the Bengals. I don't know. It's one of the B teams. It, no, it, Jaguars it, 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 run a ton. It's the Bills because they they keep using number 13, whose name I've now learned twice and completely forgotten twice. But they also <laughs> use him as a Wildcat quarterback, Davis. too. Yeah, yeah. Davis. He's real sneaky. Um, so four, a lot of four wide for uh, them. But in any case, so I wrote this up in the waiver column. Is Chark has 61 routes run, Cole's 51, and Chenault's 41. The problem is so far is what we're seeing is the target percentage is 18.5 for Cole and only 10.9 for Chark. Here's where I have a problem with it. This isn't going to be sustainable for Cole because – it's all after the catch. He's averaging 5.5 air yards per target. He's doing a ton after the catch, and kudos to Cole for doing it. You know, some wide receivers are really good at it, but Cole's not that good. Cole, Chark is still a great number one NFL wide receiver. He's getting defensive attention even more than he was last year. It'll come around. I think it's just the fact that Cole is doing so well. It's doubling the concern that Chark has started off slow. But again, in week one, Chark offset his slow day with a touchdown. And that's what we want for our top 15, 20 uh, wide receivers. If you get a touchdown to offset your bad day, yay. You know, like everybody's like Julio Jones. I'm not, I'm not saying DJ Chark is Julio Jones, but reasonable people aren't panicking about Julio Jones for one down week. Yeah. And the down week is he dropped a touchdown. Like he catches that touchdown for 50 yards. All of a sudden he has a smash day. You know who else dropped the touchdown? Friggin' Scotty Miller in my DK lineup, you bastard. That's what you get for using Scotty Miller. Just give your head a shake on that one. Scotty Miller. You could have used if, Deontay if Johnson. You didn't for, drop the touchdown. You could have got Deontay Johnson for $400 more. I had Deontay Johnson, too. That's the only reason I can't. Oh, the, oh, the double pay down. There we go. Uh, Diggs, I feel like, is probably too low, but I'm just worried about these matchups, uh, that eventually it's going to kind of catch up to him, but... I worried about him against Byron Jones last week. Hey, but then Byron Jones is walking off the field after five minutes. And all of a sudden, Diggs goes crazy. Uh, Diggs is really good. Like, re- like I, uh, Diggs well, is a better real-life no. player than a fantasy player, I think. So and he's, and he's been a good fantasy con- player. Here's, here's two things. One is a good concern, and one is not a good concern. So Jalen Ramsey, if he's on him. Jalen Ramsey, by the way, zero receptions last week. And I don't even know if they had like many targets going his way, but he had zero receptions against them last week. And if Jalen Ramsey's on digs, that's a major concern. On the flip side, you know, when we did our preseason shows, is I said that Josh Allen, for fantasy purposes, for digs, for John Brown, for himself, if he's not running for nine touchdowns, has to take a big step forward to the passing game. And I said to you, I can see him making a 10 to 20% leap. He's taking like a 50% leap. And granted, it was too, it's too poor. To, I texted my buddy about this and he pushed back and he was like, well, it's been the Dolphins and the Jets. How about just beat who you're going to beat? And let's talk about the fact that Josh Allen is throwing for 300 yards and looks terrific so far. I know this is a very different matchup than what he's seen so far, but let's give a little credit to what Josh Allen has stepped forward and done this year. I completely agree. Listen, man, you don't need to sell me on Josh Allen, and but I don't think anyone saw this leap. Actually, there's a lot of Josh no. Allen MVP tickets out there, but I don't think this is the way they thought he would be doing it. No, that was odds based. <laughs> but th- but this has been really like, it's, and it's been great for both John Brown and him. Um, but I don't know. Something worries me about this just a that's, little that's bit. That's the thing. I was. I was more on John Brown because I said John Brown's going to be able to feast on number two corners. I wasn't expecting Diggs to see this kind of... I thought Diggs and... Uh, like, I'll be honest. At the beginning of the year, I thought Diggs and John Brown were going to finish very close to each other at the end of the year. We have a Diggs bet. I really should have written all these down. I forget all of our bets at this point. But Cam Newton being the leading rusher on the Patriots. I might win that one. <laughs> I, we agreed on that one. Oh, yeah, that's right. I bet that against someone else. <laughs> I see... I, this is the problem. I, the only one I vividly remember is my Cardinals versus Lions bet against... 
cussed, and they're playing this week, which is really fun. So that could be a, a big well, factor. Well, I mean, that's you remember all the cussed ones. Who did he? He, he killed somebody in line. Was it Paris Campbell? Paris Campbell, hurt? yeah, su- super sleeper of the week. Paris Campbell out <laughs> forever. Uh, thirty-one <laughs> to thirty-one to forty. Got Traquan. Robbie Anderson, that one I can be, I'm, the more I think about it, the lower he should probably be at this point against those two good corners. But C.D. Lamb, Alan Lazard. Hey, time out. Because you just mentioned Traquan. I remember your tweet from last night with, with Tim. He was like, I told you I was drafting Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, there you go. No, he, uh, the tweet was, the Tim text was, you all laughed at me when I, when I drafted Emmanuel Sanders. Who's laughing now? And he just, he had nothing. Get one catch. <laughs> you are still. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, continue. The Traquan thing made me remember that because, you know, I was very high on Traquan. I won that bet with everybody last week. How about that? Yeah. So Traquan, Robbie Anderson, C.D. Lamb, Alan Lazard, Golden Tate against the Niners uh, with no Shepard. It's looking more like Tate's going to be the one who's going to have the safest floor at least every week. This, even though the Niners are still banged up, still a pretty tough matchup uh, for Slayton. Slayton's fine. I have him at 44. But mm. Hil- uh, Golden Tate, T.Y. Hilton, Brennan Cooks, Odell, John Brown, Deshaun Jackson, A.J. Green, I have at 40 and 41. Then you have Russell Gage, Jerry Judy, Slayton, Michael Pittman, Preston Williams, Marquez Veldez, Scantling, Will Fuller, and Nikhil Harry, Mike Williams. The two guys. So there are three guys, and this is probably more of a DraftKings thing than like your season long because you're looking for consistency in season long. But for GPPs this week on DraftKings, T.Y. Hilton, Deshaun Jackson and AJ Green are just three guys that no one wants to play. But if you go look at the unrealized air yards, everyone's just talking about how AJ Green is washed up. He's second in the league in air yards right now. I don't know if he's going to get slayed or not this week, but the Phillies defense just doesn't look very good. Deshaun Jackson has almost 500 air yards this year and 156 receiving yards. Uh, the Bengals defense, not good. I could see him going crazy in this game. I'm not banking on him going crazy, but I could see this being a very high upside game for Deshaun. John. Same as T.Y. Hilton. <laughs> that sounded like you were going to keep going. No, I, I don't disagree. I don't disagree with anything you just said. Uh, the one I went mm, on, it was the Golden Tate with Darius Slayton. I would include Darius Slayton in this mix, and I actually feel better about Darius Slayton because the one thing so far, and maybe it's because still no Sherman, but the 49ers are giving up a lot of big plays to speedy downfield wide receivers, and it's Darius Slayton who plays that. And Darius Slayton is the only player on the Giants who's even averaging double-digit air yards per target. So I would play Slayton before I play Tate, although I agree Tate has a terrific floor. Uh, I'm playing Slayton, and for all those names that you just mentioned on DK, I can, I'll could, i have a hell of a lot of fun. I'll just pick all four of those as my four wide receivers and throw one of them in the flex, although on DK, the running backs usually end up paying off better than wide receivers, but I like Slayton a lot this week. But you're going to have a big savings. You know what? You sold me. I'm going to switch Slayton and Tate. So Slayton now number 35, Tate number 44 in the rankings. How do you feel about Michael Tate Pittman? He has the better floor. I agree with you, though. Yeah, no, how do you feel about Michael Pittman? I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm digging the Colts this week just because it's against the Jets. So, well, that's one of the things, but what if the Colts are up early and it's just Jonathan Taylor just all day long? But, uh, Michael but, but, Pittman, but, but, but here's they, the thing. They have to get up early at some point. That's, I mean, I use that argument sometimes too, but at some point you're going to like, hey, they're probably going to make a play or two against this terrible pass right. defense. But I know I don't disagree, but you could do it without Pittman being even involved. I mean, you could have a Taylor touchdown. You could have a Hilton, as you just mentioned, in a great spot and has had great opportunities. He had a catch that he should have caught last week. Uh, You could do Mo Cox or Jack Doyle if he's back. There's just a lot of options here where it's probably two or three guys before you get the Pittman. What I was going to say in agreement with you of the good side of Pittman is that 
essentially in his first real starting to get into this mix of the offense with no Paris Campbell when he came out of that game, already stepped past Pascal, and Pascal became number three. So Pittman is already seeing the opportunities as the number two. It was only Paris Campbell holding him back, evidenced in that game. So Paris or Michael Pittman, I feel, is a good play. I just this week against the Jets, it could definitely happen in one play. He could be one of the first touchdowns. I would just feel better if it was Pittman and kind of more of a shootout type of situation. Sure. I mean, that's the reason he's down at number 45 in the rankings, too. Like, right. I don't have that trust built with him yet, but I can see the path to him scoring a bunch of points. Will Fuller at 48. This is it's a bad matchup, and he's already dealing with the hamstring. The, the move. So he's going to finish number five. Yeah, he's going to finish that as the best receiver of the week. That's how this works when no one plays him. But, like, this is a tough – this was your entire argument kind of with him uh, coming into the year. Like, now you're in this circumstance. What the fuck do you do? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was yours, even if a healthy Fuller. He, wasn't, he hasn't even been doing a hell of a lot in, like, that game and then got hurt on top of it. So it's the Will Fuller. If you drafted him, you had to play him every single week. It was the Amari Cooper before last year. If you want Amari Cooper as your number three before last year, that's fine because then you can afford to sit him and mix and match. Will Fuller, people who drafted him as their number two or three wide receiver this year, I'm not being like, oh, you know, whatever, haha, look at me. But that was your own fault. Like now you have to play him every single week. And it's likely that if you have Fuller, you probably drafting him as your number two or three might not even have the wide receiver depth to be able to sit him. Yeah, there's probably guys you can go pick up. Potentially, like in this, that's where Maybe. I had some of the guys in this range. Like I had like Regor at number fifty-one. I think this is a nice matchup against the Bengals for a lot of these Eagles guys to break out on the outside. KJ Hamler, I have at fifty-three. I think that he is past your boy Bayshon. Uh, no Cortland. Oh, Sutton. that was, but no, no Cortland Sutton. Like he's, <laughs> he's going to get some work here. Oh, a hundred percent. He's in the waiver column. It's not even I, why I said no. It was not because he hasn't passed Deshaun Hamilton. Like I like, can we get Deshaun? Can we? I, I, so like, I did have two nicknames. Can we get Deshaun Hamilton on a new team? Because on the Broncos, he's done for. He's dead for. Tim Patrick is already past Hamilton. Hamilton, Nando keeps texting me. He's like, there's a card I saw. If you're still on your boy Deshaun, if you want to buy it, like I'm done with Deshaun Hamilton. I love the kid, but on this team, he's done for. He's one of those situations where he might be able to pop on a new team, but in Denver territory, he's done. The coaching staff doesn't want him. Is Nando collecting like football cards? Oh, he's he's a, he's been a huge baseball card and memorabilia collector, and he's been searching football too. He's <laughs> shaking your head. Just get a real fucking hobby. Uh, Demarcus Robinson, sixty-five. Oh, oh. Uh, we talking to about a real hobby. Yeah. <laughs> hey, this is a job. Uh, if he's, sell, if he's selling them and making tens and thousands of dollars, that's one thing. Uh, I don't know if he is or not. Uh, oh, Demar- I was talking about myself for behind me. So oh, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, you, you go sell those, too. Uh, let's see. <laughs> hey, it's part of your job. It's in the background of your set. It's set expense. That's exactly why I have it, 100%. You, you can write those off to the government. You get your money back. You By the way, number money. 50, Mike Williams, Tyrod Taylor. You got to move him up if Tyrod if, plays. Yeah, if Tyrod plays, he's going up. Keenan's going down. But this is this, these rankings assume Herbert's starting. Right, I just wanted to give everybody context on that one. Okay, thank you. Uh, Demarcus Robinson, 65. Mecole Hardman, number 66. I don't know which one it's going to be, but it doesn't look like they're Sammy Watkins. It doesn't look like they're Sammy Watkins. Well, I don't know. He's not in concussion protocol yet. I mean, they didn't even say he had a concussion. He just left the game with a head injury. <laughs> like that's That yeah, doesn't sound it, good. That's what I'm <laughs> I mean, it doesn't, but it could just be like, you know, keeping things safe. All right, well, here, Watt, like, here's, here's, got, the, here's the thing. Let's presume uh, Jamie Rock- Watkins is not in these rankings. So can we talk about this, this situation? We, we can. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of, well, what if he does play? I, I don't just, care what if he does play. I'll put him in the rankings. I wasn't saying what if he does play. I was just saying he wasn't in the concussion protocol. I'm, was, I'm pulling it up. I was looking at it right now. Oh, by the way, AJ Brown 
non-committal on it so you can for everybody out there like what if he's in there like i think you're safe assuming he's out again but all right so i think that you have to move hardman higher because of his big playability like i would say hardman overborn probably maybe over humphreys just because humphreys is like just what six for 80 maybe i would take listen i would take six for 80 from down here no i know but i said at best like i mean you could also get like four for 50 i would play him over miles boykin in that same matchup are you really trusting braxton barrios at this point he's the only he is the only jets and what do you mean trust him what do i have him number 63 or something no you have him 55 55 yeah you're not where's chris hogan chris hogan's hurt is he? I he, missed that one. He left that game with a ribs injury. <laughs> he might play, but ribs. I, I, I have him as out as right now. He's not. Apparently, he's not Cam Akers. <laughs> <laughs> ribs injuries. Uh, so, like, if you're going this deep, yeah, I would put Harbin higher. Uh, I got pushed back in the waiver column already because I said he was droppable, and people were like, "Oh, Sammy Watkins." So, yeah, okay. If Sammy Watkins is out, like you, I'll move Harbin up a hell of a lot. If you want to stash him right now, go right ahead. Uh, the other one from down this far. Would be I would I would take a flyer on Chenault over a few guys in front of him. Again, he's third in the passing game, but he's not that far behind Cole and Chark, and he's also getting like the three or four carries at the backfield. I just feel like he feels like Golden Tate for me, like just a very nice floor. Yeah, I don't even know what his floor is going to be though, because he could be passed by like Chris Conley on any given week. Nah, that's the, Chris Conley's done. Not Chris Conley. They love Chris Conley in Jacksonville. No, they love him so much that he's getting 26 snaps. The next closest is Chenault at 41. He's done. All right. Yeah, I wouldn't say he's done. He's still out there. That's the problem with these Jacksonville receivers. They're all kind of taken away from each other. It's not good. Quarterbacks. Uh, this one, you know, is turning into there are eight guys that you start every week and then mix and match. So I have Jimmy G is out. Tyrod is out. Drew Locke, uh, likely out. Jimmy G and Tyrod. Officially out, Drew Locke. So number one, Lamar, Russell Wilson. Mahomes, Dak, Kyler, Josh Allen, Cam Newton. And you think those are the seven that you have to start every single week, kind of regardless of matchup? And then there's like this middle tier of you're probably going to start regardless of matchup. That's Aaron Rodgers, Minshew, Matt Ryan, mm. 8, 9, 10, into Mitch Trubisky at number 11, Rivers at number 12, Ugh. Tannehill, Fitzpatrick, <laughs> Brady, Breeze, Watson against the Steelers, Roethlisberger against the Texans, Stafford against the Cardinals, and Nick Mullins against the Giants. That would be my top 20 this week. What do I got to do to get you on the train with Minshew? What do you mean? What do you have to do to get me on the train with Minshew? I've been saying for the first two weeks you start him, period. And, you, and, and I've had him ranked in, in that group. I've had him ranked inside the top 10 the last two weeks. I don't think he's as good but as Cam Newton. Ju- I have him at number nine. I don't think he's as good as Cam Newton. Like, no, no. no. I, I'm going I'm to have, have weeks where I look at the matchup and be like, you know what? I think I'd rather start Aaron Rodgers. Like this week. No, no, no. As, and that's what I'm saying. What do we got to do to get you into the conversation of Minshew startable no matter what? I don't know if you can. Okay. Well, I've been there. I just want you to join me. I want to see some goal line rushes from him rather than just random rushes. Throughout I the don't game. need the goal line rushes. He's, he's, he's the lower end rusher. He's a great passer. Well, not a great, but he's a very good passer who doesn't turn the ball over as much as people think he does. Oh, he rarely turns the ball over. I mean, he did what once last week, but whatever. Yeah, J- so Jameis proved that throwing interceptions might actually help you as a fantasy quarterback. <laughs> that's true but he's been so uh, he's been able to do it without turning the ball over and i'm looking right now i'm trying to think of a you know who he is 
No, he's not. I was gonna say his last year's Kyler Murray because that's the like the rushing is like it's kind of like the four hundred, but he's throwing more. He's throwing for more touchdowns. I'm try- who's a good co- comparison? He for rem- he reminds me of when I used Tyler Thigpen to win a fantasy championship. <laughs> like actually, like that like, they're just down in these games and he's gonna have to throw, and then he runs a little oh. bit. It runs a little bit. I'm trying to think, but that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to compare him to somebody who runs a little bit. Anyway, I just I just want everybody to get on board with Minshew every single week. Okay. Um, do any more to say on the the quarterbacks? Like yeah, people know who they're starting no. the quarterback. Don't they? yeah, they do. Go start Minshew. Tight ends. <laughs> Likely out. I have Doyle, Kittle, and Dawson Knox, who's in con- concussion protocol. Oh. What? Well, we'll back up. I want to ask you a legitimate question because I've been getting this question a lot, and I think you would probably agree. Would you drop Wentz for Minshew? Yeah, I would have drafted me. I had Minshew ranked over Wentz to begin with in the preseason. Okay, I just wanted like that's a very, very, very common question I'm getting right now. So I just wanted to bring it up for everybody. Yeah, Minshew walk, go with him. Tight ends: Doyle, Kittle, and Knox. I have is likely out, officially out. I have CJ Secret of the Uzma. Last time I can say that this year, Achilles, he's down. I missed that. Max Williams on IR too. So Tarzan, Dan Arnold, you can can probably fire up. Uh, I mean, not really, but. Max Williams, two X, two X Max is probably not going to be uh, stealing carries from the air targets from the IR. Kelsey number one, Andrews number two, Ertz, Henry, Waller, Goddard, Janu, Gesicki, Mo Alicox. This is presuming no Jack Doyle and TJ Hawkinson at number ten. That's into Higby, Fant, Hurst, Logan Thomas, who still had the targets last week. He didn't score the touchdown. Jared Cook, Eric Ebron, Jordan Reed, the Sampla, Drew Sample at the Eagles, Chris Herndon, and Austin Hoop Hooperton, uh, number twenty against the Washington footballs this week uh there's a lot of guys you can just frankly go pick up to be perfectly honest with you if you want to go play them like Gasicki and mo alley cox and Janu are still widely available goddard's still not like unanimously owned um logan thomas is someone that i think you can just kind of run out there every single week uh if you play in a deeper league remember how last year you just streamed tight ends against the cardinals and it worked out every time is that what the eagles are this year <laughs> the Eagles are streaming a lot of people against them right now. So got four touchdowns uh, to tight ends in two games. It, it, I mean, it looks that way so far. I mean, the, and on the flip side, you know, these things change quickly. Like Arizona's not the cake matchup they were last year, where it was even who like unknown people are going to score against them. Same thing for the Giants. The Giants do the first two games, and it's mostly because the Giants have been just been so susceptible to everything else. It's like, why do you need the tight end? Uh, and I bring that up for the say that. Logan Thomas against the Browns. I'd feel better about Jordan Reed against the Giants, even though, like I just said, like Ebron didn't do a whole lot. Uh, we all are talking about Jimmy Graham that didn't do a whole lot last week, but Jordan Reed immediately stepped in. And yes, the snap count you mentioned earlier was extremely low, but I would feel better about him than Logan Thomas, but that's nitpicking here. But so far to go back to your point about the Eagles, they do feel like somebody to go after. And Drew Sample, as soon as he took over for your secret of the Uzma guy is he was involved a lot, mostly because we're talking about a rookie and to play into that narrative of like they trust, they want a tight end they can trust. But also, uh, this is something to go for the analytics based people out there. I tweeted this one out too is that if you look at the difference between on target and catchable passes for the layman's, and I'm not trying to talk down to the audience because I was surprised people asked me this, but the difference between on target is you hit the spot. You can be on target with a defender in front of the wide receiver. That's still on target, but that makes it uncatchable. So the difference is Joe Burrow is actually top five in throwing on target, but he's bottom five at catchable passes. 
that's a rookie for you. That's explaining what the difference, the struggles for the far AJ Green are. But what makes it easier is hitting a slot guy like Boyd and hitting your tight end. So all that being said is why that I think that Drew Sample is a decent streamer. Okay. Yeah. And he's, well, he's like a hundred percent available, but the problem is like when you look up at these other guys, like the, like I mentioned, the John who's the good he's probably on competitive leagues, but like one of these guys is also probably available too. probably sitting out there. I mean, some people dropped Hayden Hurst after week one, just too quickly. Uh, people, they like haven't got enough. I'm trying to see yeah, Mo Alley Cox is probably still out there in a whole bunch of leagues. I'm surprised that people in the waiver column were asking me if they should pick up Mike Asicki. Like, so to your point, there's a lot of, why there's a lot of tight ends that are out there. Yeah, Gasecki's basically Evan Ingram, but good. Yeah, Evan Ingram just like he had the one we talked about this before. One season, people ask, oh, "Are you concerned about Evan Ingram?" I was like, "Well, I kind of what I told you that going into the season is that I was. I had him as a fringe tight end one, and I didn't feel good about it because his one success was no older Beckham, no Sterling Shepard. He was essentially the number one wide receiver, similar to what we just saw last year with the Eagles and Zach Ertz and Goddard at the end of the year. So. Now, maybe with no Shepard, but Golden Tate stepping into Shepard's role, I don't think that it necessarily helps out Ingram a ton. So, yes, I would go get Kasicki. But here's the other thing, and I think I said it to you last week, Pat, but if it's at the tight end position and you're talking about Kasicki and Allie Cox and Hurst and all these, if you want to go chase one, go chase one. It's tight end. Like it's, it's, I would almost just pick one and just leave it because you're going to be kind of chasing your tail. You're going to be chasing production all year long. But if you want to go chase somebody, go ahead and do it. It's tight end. All right, we have some breaking news, which we'll get to after defenses. So I, I do want to talk to you about this a little bit. But I, I went YOLO defenses this week, and I'll probably update these once I get the adjusted <laughs> sack rates and everything like that, because that's really how I do hammer down my process. But as it stands, I'm thinking about how these games are going to unfold. The number one defense this week, Jake, I have the Atlanta Falcons at home against the Chicago Bears. And no, they're, they're not a good real-life defense. But like I said, if you can get like 40 to 50 pass attempts from Mitch Trubisky, sign me up. Uh, and they still bring a little bit of pressure as well. So they might give up 30 points in this game, but uh, I'm not too concerned about that with old Mitch chucking the ball back there. Washington against Cleveland, I just think that front seven is going to get an immense amount of pressure on Baker Mayfield. If they can shut, down the, if they can just shut down the run a little bit and you force Baker into throwing a bunch, just hook me up to Washington. Like They scored all right against Kyler last week, like, and they lost by, what, 20 points. Uh, the Bucks at Denver. The Colts versus the Jets, the Patriots, the Steelers, the 49ers, the Cardinals, the Chargers, and the Bills. After that, some uh, secondary options. The Rams, Eagles, Saints, Ravens, Jags, Titans, Packers, Chiefs, and Browns against Washington. The big difference between like Haskins and Baker as it goes to streaming defenses against them is you kind of mentioned it like Haskins is like real dink and dunky. He doesn't make like a ton of mistakes. He, he doesn't. Yeah, he's too safe. Like. Although he might only score like 12 points, 13 points. It's not good for fantasy defense. It's good for real life defense. But, you know, as standard defenses are scored, I want the Baker types who are like willing to take shots downfield and just throw horrendous picks. Yeah. And that's, that's really what you want to look for is the aggressive types. Like another one, like if we assume, like let's, put Tannehill on the same team. We would have the same conversation because Tannehill's smart and he's safe and he's efficient. So you want to look for kind of the erratic quarterbacks. That's why Daniel Jones is one, because even when he's not throwing interceptions, he still has improved a little bit, but the fumbling, we just saw it happen last week. He just doesn't have that pocket awareness of where to keep the ball safe. So those are the ones you want to look for. You, you mentioned it as the adjusted sack rates, but you're also looking for quarterbacks that can be reckless at any given week. 
All right. So we have breaking news that Devonta Freeman has signed with the New York Giants. He has to pass his COVID-19 test in order to actually join the team. So now he has been thrown into this Giants backfield mix with Deion Lewis, Wayne Gallman, and Rod Smith, like we had mentioned. So what do we do about this as it pertains to both the waiver wire, as it pertains to the rankings this week? Because uh, obviously you're probably not going to go blow your budget on Deion Lewis. Uh, I'm going to move him down in my running back rankings for the week, only because this is a very clear sign that you know they don't trust Deion Lewis to be the f- full-time workhorse role. Here's the thing about Devonta Freeman though he's not any good anymore <laughs> just like Happy's finger paintings or her finger paintings her, yeah. uh, they're not any good or Happy wasn't good at uh, hockey and that's what it was and your finger paintings suck so here's where I'll say like I'm going to go back to what I said I'm going to update the waiver call but initially I said even if the signing happens we do have to wonder for week three does he step in immediately or is it like Leonard Fournette where they want him and they're going to look for a reason to do it but is it going to take a week, two weeks? Because he's stepping in. This is Tuesday. Assuming he passes, he'll be in there this afternoon, maybe, if not tomorrow, Wednesday. So you're already almost halfway through the week. He's got to learn the play, play schemes. This isn't a team that he's been with before. He hasn't been with Garrett before. So all these questions is he could step in or he could take a week to step in. And then to your point, he looked uh, – I said this on the podcast yesterday, Pat. He's kind of like a three out of the 10 on your toaster setting. He's not perfectly toast. He's not there yet, but he's he's getting warm. He's getting crispy edges. He's there. Uh, so I would be concerned like how much upside there is. If I need help this week, I'd probably still go Jarek McKinnon. If I'm looking for the long-term play, I'll go after Freeman. But understand that like, I would definitely still go Mike Davis, even though Mike Davis might only be three or four weeks. Yeah, so I'm updating my waiver rankings as we speak right now to kind of do this in real time. Mike Davis up to number one. Uh, Josh Kelly is going to be number two for me. Like, would you, if you, if let's say they were free and you could just go pick them up right now and you had a choice between Lewis, Freeman, and Wayne Gallman, which one would you actually want? Mm, I would go with Freeman. Really? I still think Lewis might hold yeah. the most value. Just I, I, I don't see a scenario where he doesn't play. Maybe I, I mean I do see a scenario where he doesn't play more like forty around forty to fifty percent of the snaps anyway. But like, I'm just kind of worried that Freeman's cooked. Well, I just said that we no, do have that concern with, but Freeman we. But if that's what? if that's the case and the Giants are bad, I don't think they're going to use Freeman like in a ton of passing down situations. I still think that's like you had mentioned it still belongs. Really, to he was he was cooked with Atlanta and had seventy targets and fifty nine receptions. Like. She, it's also a bit different when you're playing in Atlanta and the defense has to worry so much about what you have going on down the field. And like the Giants are already banged up. Like I just think that they would prefer to throw to Lewis. Maybe I'm dead wrong on that. Uh, I think that this is just for him to manage between the 20s. And I don't know. Like, what, what's a snap expectation for Devontae Freeman? Maybe not week three, but from like week four on when he's ingrained into this offense. I'd th- say around. 60%. I think Lewis will be involved. And I think this kicks Gallman, similar to earlier in the show we were talking about, where he just kicked, completely kicked aside. But I don't think Lewis is going to lead. And I don't think Lewis is going to be like, here. It's this Naheem Hines situation. I referenced it earlier. I think Deion Lewis will be involved, but there'll be some weeks where they don't need him. And that's my concern with Deion Lewis. All right. Would you rather have Miles Gaskin for the rest of the year? Or Devonta Freeman. <laughs> Uh, I would go Devontae Freeman. At least, I mean, look, maybe he was banged up last year and wasn't 100%, and now he is. But, you know, 
that that's the only excuse I could give there. The difference between that situation is there's a, the difference is, is like if Lewis has a role, who's the goal line option? Freeman. Yeah. Gaskin's still not even the goal line option. He's freaking Jordan Howard getting hit all those touches. So the updated waiver wire rankings at running back, and I'll update the running back rankings for week three once I get a bit more information on the role that Freeman's going to play if he passes the COVID test and everything. There's no reason to update them now than have him be like, oh yeah, he's not playing. And then me be like, oh great, now I guess I have to go change it back to what it was. I'll wait for information on that. But for the waiver wire ranks, those pertain to Tuesday evening. Mike Davis, Josh Kelly, Daryl Henderson, Jarek McKinnon, Devonta Freeman, Chase Edmonds, Miles Gaskin, Dean Lewis, Carrion Johnson, Frank Gore. Those are going to be my top 10. And realistically, the top five are really the only ones you would want to go out and get, I would think. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I have Kelly as somebody that you should have picked up by now, and he ranks in front of everybody. Uh, but Mike Davis, yeah, the McKinnon situation. So uh, the only one, I'll, again, I'll go back to Daryl Henderson. If one of Akers or Malcolm Brown were to be out, then yeah, I, I would like Daryl Henderson more. But if they're both playing, I would push him down. I would actually go. I, would, I hate it, but I would go Devonte Freeman before him. And I like I like Daryl Henderson ten times more talent wise. No, I think I on my roster, I think I would just rather have Daryl Henderson than Devonte Freeman. To be perfectly well, that's honest, that's fine. With you. It depends on your construction too. Yeah, like, do you need someone to play this week, or do you just need a running back on your roster who could be good? Even next week, yeah. 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 Daryl Henderson could take over by the eighth, ninth week and be a game changer for you. Devontae Freeman could have the job next week and still just be Devontae Freeman. All right. Jake Seeley. You can check out my waiver rankings in the description of this video or up on DKNation.com. Exactly the same with my rankings at each position. I actually just updated my waiver wire rankings, and I'll update them again on Tuesday evening if we get more news on any injuries or any sort of signing. So pay attention to that as we go forward. Uh, Jake, where can people find you besides TheAthletic.com this week? at all in kid where i tweet out everything i have the all in sports podcast with rich rebar this week i'm bringing on uh the athletic podcast but look i tweet out everything for you guys and if you tweet if you go to any of the articles similar to pat but right now one dollar a month to sign up for all your listeners there you go yeah, I want to tell everyone out there to get the stats and tools, the cornerback, wide receiver matchups. You need to go to ftnfantasy.com or ftndaily.com. Code mail for a discount. There's a lot of free tools up there as well. Just recommend you just go check out the site, absorb the tools, get a feel for them. They're very, very good to use for projections going forward. Great source and valuable resource uh, if you want to be projecting out and doing your own type of research. Not listen to idiots like me try to tell you about people who probably suck that you should play and people that are good that I tell you to sit because that's what I end up doing anyway uh, but other than that please smash like for the episode leave a five-star review on the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast and that'll do it we'll be back tomorrow with spread picks then DraftKings picks and then the injury update that live on Sunday and then we're back at it again same time next week for the rankings I'll see you next time Pat Mayo Experience Experience